In other news, welcome back to River Heights Radio. I'm Carl Hauser. And I'm Hope Busby. And we're here again to talk about that art dealing, statuesque, undercover, nifty little skipper, Debbie, Debbie Lindbrook. Lindbrook. Whoa, 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 what? <laughs> That's right, Nancy Drew is deep undercover. Today, the school is, as many of you know, under construction. Yeah, if you hear in the background loud whirring, it's not torture, <laughs> except for us. <laughs> the mystery of the whispering statue quite the story as it turns out so uh we looked it up on uh, the old wikipedia right and it seems that this is perhaps the most altered book so far even more than that other one that was the hollow oak previously if the ivory charm went relatively unscathed <laughs> the whispering statue is mostly scathed yeah now this is probably good because the original was thought to be pretty bad even raunchy i hear <laughs> Well, I heard that there were a lot of coincidences and nothing really made sense. I'm telling you what, you guys, we are going to have a mini so the book before the book. Yeah, absolutely. This very morning, my 1930s copy of The Whispering Statue arrived in the mail. So we still have two more minisodes in our previous minisode series, but it's coming up. But oh man, George is wrong because this statue, it's it whispers. But it does more than that, Nancy's excited to point out. It even disappears. <laughs> yes. <laughs> A twinkle came into Nancy Drew's blue eyes. George, the statue I'm talking about used to whisper before it disappeared. What we noticed in this is a more human Nancy. Just a little more detail and slang. They were able to portray a little bit more interaction between the characters and a little bit more humanness. We also see a little bit more about Nancy's class in society. And we're reminded that she is not wealthy, only middle class. As if. <laughs> Thinly veiled richness. It's also the first novel in which Nancy's career is taken very seriously. As a detective. As a detective. Though yes. she, though not her only career in the book. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Within the first page or so, George is already making a, a pun, one of many to come in this book. The Marvelous Marble. <laughs> and the other two girls are laughing. And it's quite It's pleasant. a show of friendship. Yes, it is. They're friends. We also get a bit of Nancy's relationship with her father. One of the first times we've seen non-creepy parts of it she's just a little defensive of him <laughs> yes. when uh, the recent client says i hear he's the best nancy hastens to say he is he is too <laughs> best says nancy will it be a nice straight mystery or one that's going to scare the wits out of me and nancy says i know nothing about the case i wonder what best wants from a mystery <laughs> just what is a nice straight mystery to her you did point out that she was scared a lot in this book yeah. i think i would be scared too in most of those circumstances that's true. <laughs> Nancy says to this client, she's defended her father too, they're part of my detective force, so you may speak freely in front of them about Bess and George. <laughs> detective force, patient confidentiality. Mr. Drew should still probably not try to have a sense of humor, but in that sense, I think they've caught a little bit of that father-like humor. Hannah's like, are you ready for dinner? And he's like, ready and starving. <laughs> Hope you made some of my favorites. <laughs> Yeah, biscuits every night, Carson. <laughs> <laughs> so they sit down with the client to have a nice supper. Hannah's worked hard all day. And sometimes this might happen to you too if you have a client over for dinner. I can't tell you how often I sit down for dinner <laughs> and suddenly there's a knock at the door. A knock at the front door. Well, in the back door. 
And the phone rings at the Plus same time. Plus the phone is ringing. I'll tell you what, let's split up. <laughs> so, so Hannah goes to the front door with Bess and George. Yes. Carson goes to the back door. And Nancy answers the phone. Nancy immediately gets, I, I want to say, what has to be two-thirds of messages to the Drew house. <laughs> you tell Miss Miriam to shut up or she'll get hurt. And you people too. The caller slammed down the instrument. <laughs> yes. I think I said this is the first in a, in a series of weird phrasings that sound like they were sexual, but someone tried to stop that. Yeah. Like, wh- who calls the phone the instrument? I think through trying to humanize the text in this one, they might have brought in a little bit too much of that, like, swanky 70s vibe. Uh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> this hard instrument went into the phone. Boom. <laughs> um... So at the front door, Hannah ends up uh, attacked by a masked intruder. She fights well. A running theme. Uh, Bess eats and George karate chops. <laughs> Between them, they manage to remove the mask of the intruder. Meanwhile, Carson is dodging shots and striking back. Yeah, he's getting in some stinging ones. Stinging blows. Uh, this guy is apparently determined to hurt him, according <laughs> to Nancy. And he fights, he battles it out with this guy. And uh, meanwhile, the client is standing there in hysterics, basically. Basically looking like olive oil. Like, <laughs> oh, Carson! She's like, stop that! Stop that! What will we do? <laughs> the second intruder gets away, mask still on his face. Which means, you know, he's in the wind. We know he's muscular. <laughs> yeah, it's very beefy. He beat Carson. Carson. Kind of. He ran off. And Nancy had to stop Carson. Like, literally hold back her dad because the guy might be armed. This book holds the first version of that, like, toxic masculinity where, like, you need to feel, like, defensive of the women and you need to, like, want to be aggressive. But yeah, she says to her dad, please don't. While one of the thugs... I don't want to say that. They called them thugs. I hate it. And they haven't used, I don't think they've used that term before. That's a very problematic term. Yeah. And we don't condone its use. One of the masked individuals gets away, but the unmasked individual is caught. He has a scar on his right wrist that the police know about. The deepest background on any villain we've ever gotten. Okay, this guy's had uh, some trouble. We haven't had such good identifying marks since Willie Horton with his tiny hands. Or the crinkle-eared man. Yeah. Yeah. Carson is just, like, super confused why these guys attacked him. And Nancy's like, maybe it has something to do with the case, Dad. To which Carson is absolutely (laughs) incredulous. Why would you say that? You're always kind of wanting to give Nancy a hard time for making everything about the cases. But in this case, when somebody shows up to your front, back, and phone, you kind of probably, it probably has to do with something like that, right? Yeah, but I mean. It's a coordinated effort. It is. But simultaneously, the idea that three people would attack and threaten you over one client who hasn't said anything yet is so ridiculous. Well, these bad guys. Carson is good enough to tell George that her judo... Good for you. Good for you, buddy. Hannah believes that the intruder looked like a gorilla. The unmasked man claims that Hannah attacked him. Yes. Which, that makes sense. (laughs) Hannah looks furious. Carson, apparently concerned that he might get away with this lie, goes, well, how did he explain the mask? (laughs) Which he didn't have with him, but whatever. To which the cop just says, he didn't. Police made the clever deduction that the masks were the same, so probably these guys were working together. I mean, there's always a possibility that two men, completely unconnected, came to your house. 
it's, it's possible. Not, they couldn't see each other through the house, so who knows? <laughs> it seems as probable as them showing up at all. How many masks are there? Couldn't they have bought the same mask at the same thief store? Our client, Mrs. Miriam, is now distraught. Concerned whether they should even go through with this assignment. And this causes a long, embarrassing pause. <laughs> Mr. Drew did not feel that he should urge a new client to go on with the case if she did not wish to. And the others looked down at the floor. <laughs> the idea of jail in this book and the law and the order part of law you pointed out. Is so funny. What? Yeah. <laughs> They say, what's going to happen to the man they caught? And Carson says, well, I suppose they'll keep the fellow in jail till he decides to cooperate. <laughs> the fellow. <laughs> this is the first of, I think, all the criminals in this book who are like, I have rights. Mm-hmm. You don't know I did it. Carson is kind enough to highly recommend Nancy Drew as an amateur sleuth. Mrs. Miriam is convinced to go ahead and hire Nancy. Well, hire Carson, who will delegate to Nancy. <laughs> and we're going to hardly see her ever again, <laughs> Mrs. Miriam. Or Carson. Carson is going out of town and it's revealed as this big thing when it's like, yeah, that's usually the case. Bess and George have promised to keep Nancy from taking any chances as usual. Well, Bess immediately (laughs) promises that Bess won't take any chances. (laughs) Then George promises she'll keep Nancy from taking chances. So legally, George can take all the chances she wants. (laughs) George's parents don't care. (laughs) (laughs) That's why they gave her judo. Like, you know, you're fine. I'm sure glad those men didn't see our faces or we'd be in danger. (laughs) And there's another lull in the conversation just making it clear that everyone's uncomfortable with the fact that Bess would even bring up her own safety. Luckily, good old George uh, breaks the ice here and has a good old-fashioned let's try to name Nancy's undercover persona. They have (laughs) such fun inventing names. Uh, George says it should be Libby Booker, since it has to do with a bookstore. (laughs) She's actually being hired to go see what's happening to these books. This woman is having this bookstiller sell for her. Yes. She's not getting the proper payment for them. And for some reason, Carson feels it's safer if Nancy and Nancy alone is undercover. Bess says Carrie Fisher. Ha 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 Is it funny because that's Princess Leia? Or is it funny because these people's <laughs> sense of humor is underdeveloped? The guy they're investigating, his name is Basswood. Uh-huh. So, like, that's so, a fish. Yeah. <laughs> the winner of the naming contest is Hannah with a good, sensible Debbie Lindbrook. And Nancy takes to it like a Deb to a Brook. She's clearly been waiting to vent some sort of repression because she is so quickly excited mm-hmm. to be anyone else. We have seen her really enjoy going undercover before, but it was always ineffectual, unuseful, mm-hmm. like, for, like, a half hour. And now for like basically this entire book she's undercover and she is taking it serious. Carson uh, kindly agrees to bring George and Bess home. Mm -hmm. And this is when we find out that Nancy goes and calls her Terrier Togo from his special Special place place in the basement where apparently they put him whenever there are guests over. (laughs) The original, there was a good chunk of the book that was devoted to meeting this dog. Yeah, his origin story. His origin story, but I guess they still didn't want to not meet him, but also didn't want any of 
anything to do with the previous plot about this is him. it she goes she sees togo yeah and then she i assume puts him back in his special basement place <laughs> for the rest of the book yeah he doesn't come back <laughs> she pets him idly as she comes up with her disguise nancy is so wrapped up in petting her dog and daydreaming <laughs> that she loses track of the time and is shocked to discover it's midnight and her father is not home uh, nothing's more concerning than carson drew <laughs> leaving with two teenage girls and not returning late into the night while carson does make it home reader he was followed and he had to play what he called a game of hair and hounds, hair and hounds. i've played this game in a nancy drew computer game where you had to outrun these little foxes that's really cool and carson must be a really good hair because he gets the girls to the soda shop mm-hmm. as a little date he he explains all this he's very proud of himself and and i love hannah's conclusions here Wait, what does she say clever well i'm glad you're here safe and sound and now i'll say good night okay well bye i'm off the clock i'll see you in the now that i know those teens are safe i'm going to bed as carson was gone nancy discovered that the phone lines had been cut why not <laughs> and carson opines that he will be so glad once they're underground like nancy being like oh man this letter was gonna take a while to get there i wish it was electronic Nancy has figured out her disguise and she talks on the phone with George and Bess and says, I'm not going to see you again. I got to get ready. It's real method acting. Say goodbye to Nancy. (laughs) And hello to Debbie. When we get together again, I will be Debbie Lynn Brooke. Do not act surprised. (laughs) She's such a low view of her friends. (laughs) Yes. They're just going to be like, what? what?" (laughs) And Bess... Are you going to order your wig over, over the, the phone? phone? She <laughs> is. No, that's it's, uh, it's a new fashion thing you can do. <laughs> Gets it delivered. Her costume involves a full wig of brown hair, tanning lotion in like tanning powder, and some horn-rimmed glasses. Nancy's not a nerd. Debbie, Debbie knows all the birds. Nancy decides to raise her voice two octaves. Mm-hmm. That's the part that throws off her friends. First of all, if you're raising your voice two octaves, you're basically speaking in falsetto. Clearly not your voice. Secondly, is she under the impression that lots of people will recognize her by her voice? What is she, a radio actor? Like... Maybe. Ah, uh, yeah. You also don't know how much voice training she's had. Yeah, I've heard Nancy. Nancy <laughs> Drew, you mean the one with the Titian voice? <laughs> the siren voice. Mm-hmm. Nancy puts her arm around Hannah to reassure her that she's not going to get hurt. I'll be fine, Hannah. Which is just this affectionate gesture that you see her do throughout the novel. Very humanizing. really seen before. The first time we see Nancy willing to touch people. Yeah, and be affectionate to people other than Carson. It's so hard to say why prior to this it was uncomfortable to see her run into her father's arms Mm -hmm. and it's because she didn't touch anyone else yes it really put it in a different light she talks to ned on the phone during this time too ned was a special friend of nancy's and dated her whenever he could get away from either college or his part-time job of selling insurance yeah the two things ned nickerson is famous for (laughs) being a college football star and selling insurance so you're like okay that's a pretty reasonable description of him oh it gets better (laughs) Oh, 
oh, let, let Nancy tell you about our experiences with a couple of masked intruders. And he's like, what? But they don't say he just said what. They say, what? Exclaimed the tall, handsome football player from Emerson College. Wait, who? Ned is like, good night. And this is the first of a series of like clearly more hip slang kidster speak so that they're not quite so generic. Right. He doesn't say good night. He says good night. Good night. You sound as if you might need a little male assistance. There it is. <laughs> Don't be surprised if I show up. Telling Nancy that her alter ego needs male assistance is just Ned's way of saying I'm into this. Nancy teases him. Have you lost your insurance job? Yeah. Don't you have peon work to do? Aren't you a normie? Nancy is not great at flirting, but she's really good at playing hard to get. Yeah. And that's what Ned's in it for. <laughs> Unless you're a mystery. And not men who are mysteries. No. She's pretty disgusted by them. Yeah. For once, Nancy gets on a plane and no one accosts her. Yeah. And they just get to their destination, wherever that is. Somewhere. And then they get accosted. In a resort town somewhere. Yeah, we don't know for sure where River Heights is, but we really don't know where she is now. Yeah, she's undercover. Right. <laughs> there is no Nancy. Also, when she gets there, they have made no arrangements for a ride. Well, luckily, There's the no yacht club sent out men. Yeah. Men in hats that say WYC. So that's clearly something yacht club. West, the water yacht club. And besides that, he asked if they were there for the yacht club. There you go. So they hop in this car. They drive for a while, realize they're driving in the wrong direction, but really realize something's wrong as they start to drive drive up to a mansion and there are weeds poking up through the cracks in the driveway. This is old, dilapidated. It's a house on a cliff by the sea. And reader, I am told that in the original Whispering Statue, this house falls into the sea oh. by the end of the book. Oh, that's exciting. <laughs> so in this version... They just realize that's not a yacht club. They just go, this is no yacht club. Wait a minute. And that they... cliff is way too far away from where the yachts would be. They hop out of the car and run away onto a, like, sand dune beach. To me, it was, like, a very ineffectual chase. So they said one thing was in their favor. The men pursuing them were past middle age, yep. heavy, yep. and not so agile. Nancy said, we must change our direction. Quickly. They won't be able to turn around very fast in this sand. Nancy was thinking very hard. I see, like, these men trying to turn around and just being like... <laughs> Nancy decides they have to run back to the car because they can't leave their suitcases. Yeah, specifically to get the suitcases? <laughs> First of all, they're running away from where they need to run, and they're running to get something heavy to run with. As, as Nancy gets to the car, men jumped out of and left running to chase them. She says to herself, I have an idea about this running car. <laughs> It's very smart. It's very genius. Girls, jump in, she says. Bess, incredulous as always. Why? Bess does not want to steal this car. Morally, she's against stealing. But the why makes it seem like she didn't even consider that's what they were doing. George says, you can't outsmart Nancy Drew. She yells that back at them, kind of uh, shaking her fist. Oops, I meant Debbie Lynnbrook. <laughs> yeah, oop, luckily we're in a car. And they get to the real resort. This is one of the few times I just see Nancy just like, I can't even. And it says, her race on the sand dunes to escape the would-be kidnappers had left her feeling pretty disheveled. <laughs> 
Disheveled is Nancy Drew for Hagrid. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. Hagrid, Hagrid, huh? Haggis. Nancy's basically like, okay, I'm not, I'm not doing any mystery until we do some teen stuff. We're doing teen stuff. Yeah, yeah. We're tired from this sand dune race. Let's go swimming. Yeah. No, oh wait, cell boating. Bess is showing the most signs of trauma. She's like, oh, I'll never forget those two ugly men that came out of that mansion. I hope I never see them again. So many books are so set on naming every person in the gang this is the first time we have i guess what you'd call minions yeah yeah they're not important we also see a rare case of nancy complaining she says i hate bathing caps because <laughs> she, she has, has to wear wig. one over her yeah, wig mm-hmm. and george says you don't want to lose your wig i don't think Bess and i could do much mystery solving without you nancy says oh sure you could reader they couldn't you know who loves sailing not, not Bess. Bess. <laughs> i hate to be at the mercy of the wind or if i took a sailboat the wind might blow me somewhere <laughs> or best did not appear happy oh see all those messed up ropes i mean sheets she doesn't like sailing she really doesn't who she does like though is dick best loves dick <laughs> we all love dick he is not only so good at his job that even before nancy realizes he's an attractive smiling young man she's already admiring his work on these boats mm-hmm. but when they meet him he right away is like oh yeah you can drive all the boats you want here have some keys and they get into a big old yacht the top job george steers them to the cement marker and they crash Bess gets knocked off into the water as if prophetic Bess's concerns about the boat <laughs> are quite correct they all end up in the water nancy tries to throw Bess a rope that she salvages from the yacht and Bess's quote-unquote chilled fingers don't manage to catch it so now they're all diving down to, to retrieve rope. this rope to tie this boat to this marker so it won't be lost forever I- the difference between nancy and Bess and george she tried one more time to save that rope even though her lungs almost burst she retrieved it while she's catching her breath afterwards she says the old lungs took a beating dick shows, dick shows up. up the hero of our book Bess says you're a real lifesaver dick and dick does this not because he likes nancy not for any payment but because he's just the kind friendly kind of guy who's gonna be our unpaid intern he is like the new version of the boyfriend of the bro- brook of, of the, the book. book of the debbie lynbrook <laughs> this is and- our decision is if it's a guy with interest boyfriend of the book if it's a boyfriend of the book with no interest unpaid intern it feels as if someone read the hollow oak mystery and said that's not how it would go eventually all nancy drew will become like fan fiction of nancy drew dick like art is really into nancy right away boy you're something but he isn't into her in like a sexual way no just in a detective way if he's into anyone it might be best even there he's like i'm chill i get i get plenty he works at a yacht club he does he is pulling down masts if you know what i mean makes him sound gay is he gay maybe him and ned might have a little i ship it nancy insists on paying for this boat dick is like oh no you shouldn't and she's like i will she yeah goes, last time i sunk a boat i didn't pay for it and i won't have that happen again <laughs> it's bad luck you yeah, sink a clearly. lot more boats that way yeah. she went and talked to the manager she's gonna pay him she's like while i'm here can you tell me about this whispering statue sure there used to be a whispering statue it got stolen That's i love basically the story <laughs> she says i heard the statue is very beautiful no 
No, Nancy, you were told, told the statue yeah. looks like you. Mm-hmm. The beautiful part you added. And in, in the original book, it was a statue of Nancy, basically. Really? Or something. But anyways, the, the whole excited. thing was that it looked like Nancy, is what I'm told. Nancy's beautiful, and obviously Italian. <laughs> Again, this statue has been outside in the weather, by the water, for a couple decades. He has to show her where the statue used to stand, mm-hmm. even though it's in the place you would put a statue right also there's an urn there now so he could have just been like you know where that urn is in front of the like hotel lobby yeah but he has to show her and then her and george and bess spend several hours going over all the gardens until they find someone else's property (laughs) they say to themselves hmm i wonder whose property that is who owns that land and it's the hotels but they don't know that they don't know that and it doesn't matter they just go through the hedge yeah walk into to this shed which is unlocked and find the statue like mystery solved yeah, mystery is solved well i'm glad the mystery is solved says bess but nancy is not so sure wonder if it really has been we're on page 32 i think there may be more to this <laughs> i am counting on this for my fix Maybe someone replicated the statue, brought it to this shed, and left it here for us to find. She puts an arm around Bess and an arm around George and says, I have a hunch that this is a reproduction. Bess, once again, in a way we don't know if it's passive-aggressive or sincerely supportive, says, Your hunches are so often right, it startles me. Bess is just, like, the best friend. I'm big on Team Bess by this point. TB. They get this statue. They verify it's the real statue. It won't whisper they put it back into its spot it's not the real statue nancy knows that so we know that no sooner do they leave it alone nancy sees that three men are taking it away and she says to the hotel attendant hey um those guys are taking that statue and he says i can't believe those three men would try to steal the statue in broad daylight it's just like those guys from the cairo museum mad that anyone would ask for any identification Mm. how dare you can't you see that we're three men (laughs) Yes. We we know our rights. Right. They get chased off though. Yeah, Nancy's Nancy sees to it. So <laughs> now Nancy and her friends decide to finally go visit that bookshop. To the real mystery. A little more boring than a whispering statue, but nevertheless, <laughs> a job's a job. They go to this bookstore, meet Mr. Atkin, who has deep creases in his forehead, which were an indication that he scowled a great deal and he had a crisp voice. They have to sign a guest book. The first hurdle to any undercover job, the (laughs) guest book. Bess and George just wait for permission to sign it. The go-ahead nod. They just go ahead and write their full information and that they're from River Heights. Debbie Lindbrook apparently is also from River Heights. Great background, Nancy. Where everyone knows Nancy Drew. In an indication that he's somehow involved. Do you know Nancy Drew? (laughs) Atkin and Basswood are as persistent as Nancy herself in this novel at figuring out who Nancy Drew is. Any villain in Gotham is constantly like, Batman's not here, is he? Yes. Because if he is, we're really in trouble. When asked directly, Debbie shows how famous Nancy is by going, well, I I guess everyone in town knows Nancy Drew. Nancy meets Mr. Basswood. She found it hard to believe that he was deliberately cheating Mrs. Merriam. He seems nice. Yeah, we were later told he's refined, but this is the only time we see him be nice at all. He is an ass the whole book. He's pretty bad. (laughs) But only in that, like, kind of generic way that any of your managers has ever been an ass. It's a good depiction of a general manager. Thank you.
And while browsing, she has the opportunity to just interact with customers. One woman saying to her, Oh, salesmen make me nervous. I much prefer women clerks. Which, first of all, is like so condescending to women clerks who apparently aren't salesmen. But also gives Nancy the foot in the door to try to work at the store. She deduces that she'd have to be very wealthy to buy any of these statues. Yeah, Nancy. You're not very wealthy. Yeah, she's middle class, guys. She has a a plan for what to say to him Bess and George ask what and she says I want you to be surprised <laughs> as Nancy bubbles eagerly about how much she needs a job Mr. Basswood pretty much has no choice but to hire her as she's already made two cells for him they were worried he might ask for a social security number or some other type of identification but he didn't <laughs> yes. which is like pretty good indication that something's going on here yes. Nancy just got hired off the books then they have a weird aside where George is being secretive and leaves Bess and Nancy alone and it is very odd to see Bess and Nancy left alone. It's uncomfortable. They have nothing to say to each they other. They really don't. It's kind of described how they go out to eat and uncomfortably shift their napkins. Nancy's like, so are you still George's cousin? George surprises Nancy with her own business cards as Debbie Lindbrook. Debbie Lindbrook business cards. Which never come up again. An important tool that we never use. (laughs) Nancy has told her dad that Debbie will do her best. Not for her first mystery, not for the statue, but for the store. She sees a shoplifter. Goes to Atkin, who I guess is in charge. She whispered her suspicions to him, but he told her he could do nothing. He says, if you're wrong, Mr. Basswood could be sued. That's right, River Heights Mall. Mm -hmm. You can't stop me i'm gonna walk out with all the poetry i want because if you didn't see me do it i will sue you well and he does exactly what you should do in that case like oh i was just holding it in my pocket and forgot praxis he ends up being caught by a policeman and why is the policeman coming into the store because apparently as best says i was worried about you so i asked that policeman to drop in hey excuse me sir my friend is working a job go see the reason you have to have a boyfriend of the book or an unpaid intern of the book is if you are in a town that is not your own you might not have a vehicle right that's what they're all about and art had we, his motorcycle mm-hmm. and this guy has a sports car and as we found out it can be quite a hassle to rent a car i don't know how good nancy's credit is but it must be better than mine if she's gonna rent a car at dinner that night with dick the girls are like hey dick you want to do some spying he says yeah he would be delighted i've never tried solving a mystery but it sounds like fun he does something rather clumsy Yeah, as they all gather around the window to the basement of the store that Debbie works at, they lean in so close, they just push poor Dick in through the window. (laughs) Yeah, Dick falls in through the cellar window. Nancy made sure he wasn't hurt before abandoning him. (laughs) Mr. Passwood, as you pointed out, is quite used to being a criminal himself and provides an alibi. Oh, I guess you thought we were burglars, huh? And Dick just goes, ah, and leaves. I just laughed and they took it for granted. Yep, he shrugged a lot. Yeah, and Atkins just like, go away. And then they lock the window. And that doesn't come up again. That's just something that happened in their life. Well, but this is what gets him into the idea of being a detective himself. He says, what kind of detective would I make? And Nancy says, excellent. All it takes to be a good detective is being around crime when it happens. Yeah, then maybe that's what I'll take up when I finish college. He's still finding his major. This is the difference between Art and Dick. Dick is genuinely in it for the mysteries and the solving of the crimes whereas art is an archaeology student who just happens to like nancy ned is getting involved in a sting operation nancy's idea 
is to figure out some of Mrs. Merriam's rare physics books and have Ned pose as a college student, which he is, and go in and buy these physics books from yes. Mr. Basswood. This would have been the easiest thing to do right away, as Debbie Lindbrook. Nobody will believe that women buy physics books, Carl. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. Nancy decides she's afraid that Ned's not going to pay the... Exorbitant fee. <laughs> fee that, that uh, Mr. Basswood is asking, so she very subtly goes over and very gently steps on Ned's toes. So that goes swimmingly. Now they're off to the sailboat races. Carl's favorite part of the book. Absolutely dreadful. They're setting up their sailboat. Their jibs, their jabs, their ports. I don't know any of it. All of a sudden, Nancy Drew! Telegram for Nancy Drew! Oh my gosh. Extra, extra! Yes, uh, Nancy almost stands up and Ned has to pull her back down. Hiss in her ear, sit down, Debbie Lindbrook. <laughs> I wonder if the name Debbie Lindbrook whispered into Nancy's ear just gave her goosebumps. Anything whispered in your ear by Ned is probably going to give you goosebumps. Ooh, he's got that Nickerson toe. I don't understand boat racing. <laughs> they go on and on about this foul, and they win anyway. What does Nancy say? They probably think we won't protest, but we will. It's, it's the, the right, right thing, thing to, to do. do. Yeah. But in the end, she convinces Ned not to protest it. And then everyone cheers because they won and didn't protest. Nancy, I think the top job is a nifty little boat. Ned, and you're a nifty little skipper. Get a room, you two. After they get their trophies, which are slightly larger than everyone's trophies, <laughs> Nancy is very worried because she can't wear her sunglasses at this dance. So she takes a midnight walk with Ned. She's very happy to dance very close to him and take a midnight walk with him. But she's not happy for the reasons he might hope. Yeah. She just doesn't want her disguise to be seen through. <laughs> they almost hear some whispering by the statue. Maybe it's working again. But it isn't. It's just someone having relationship trouble. And I find it so funny because Nancy's just dismissive of it. She's mm. like, I don't know. I don't know those voices. I don't know who that is. Okay, Nancy. So these aren't a couple of <laughs> mysteries? <laughs> Because in the past, you've been very interested in other people's relationship problems. She does say that the statue's probably been fixed now. Probably that the guy came back and fixed the statue. Ned gets to say what's on everyone's mind. Why should he bother to do that? Yeah. And she's like, shut up, shut up. It's, it's whispering now, and so he fixed it. <laughs> yes, which tr is true in the end. So at the end of the weekend, Dave, Bert, and Ned need to leave, and Dave says, Girls, this has been a really groovy weekend. Ciao. <laughs> and uh, he offers his male help in the future. Nancy thinks to herself, as we all do about our bosses. Mr. Bosswood, Mr. Bosswood, yeah. Mr. Basswood has a wonderful business. He doesn't have to be dishonest. Why should he do anything underhanded? Yeah, people aren't greedy ever. No. <laughs> so this is an instance in which Debbie Lindbrook almost gets found out, sort of. Okay, let me tell you a story. Tell you about Mr. and Mrs. Thompson's So you are Mr. and Mrs. Thompson. <laughs> in a resort town. <laughs> just on vacation. You decide to stop in a local antiquity store. Mm -hmm. You walk in and immediately see the one employee who jumps behind a statue. <laughs> very clearly hiding from you. So you and your wife walk over to her and she walks around the statue in order to keep it between the two of you. In order to save this poor girl some embarrassment, you say, uh, excuse me, miss... Uh, can we get some help? <laughs> and it is at that point that the girl behind the statue reaches out with a note. You have to take a note from a stranger and read it. And it says, I'm here incognito. Please don't identify me. And put this note in your pocket. 
You still don't know who the heck this is. <laughs> she walks out. You still don't know who it is. It's not until Nancy walks up to them and lifts her wig a bit that they're like, oh, it's someone It's a, someone we vaguely know. Like a f- <laughs> friend of the friend. Nancy, oh, that's Nancy Drew. You're Everybody Nancy Drew. <laughs> We're from River Heights, so we know you. Well, the good news is Mr. and Mrs. Thompson took improv at some point because they yes and the hell out of this. They buy a painting from Nancy. It's at the point that Nancy needs change for their, you know, $1,000 bill or whatever. Yeah. But she goes to her boss's office and discovers her assistant boss. Mr. Atkin is dead. Well, mostly Just about, dead. whatever. As Nancy says, anyway, he's alive. He's had a heart attack. She also has Mr. Thompson take a look at the body, and it notes Mr. Thompson was a physical education yes, teacher. Yes, yes. He's clearly not bringing in the money, because this is a yacht town, and he's a PE teacher. Mm-hmm. I don't know what his wife does, but thank you, Mrs. Thompson. Secondly, that does not qualify him to say it was a heart attack at all. That's not one of the things you teach in dodgeball. And she also takes the moment after calling the EMT to notice a note on her boss's desk. The first unnecessary clue. But she does see this vague note in her boss's handwriting, which she will never forget based off of these seven characters, what her boss's handwriting is. Yes. MDK 500. It's around this time that her boss returns. Furious that people are in his office. Foaming at the mouth. Nancy was shocked by the man's rudeness. He is pretty rude. He's basically inconvenienced that Mr. Atkin had a heart attack. Mm -hmm. He's mostly mad people are in his office. Yeah. To the point where Mr. and Mrs. Thompson say, How can you stand to work for such a man? Hearing they're from River Heights, Basswood even (laughs) asks them about Nancy Drew. Mr. Thompson says, disturbingly enough, I understand the daughter is very attractive. Oh, yes. Mrs. Thompson saves the day by saying, she has the loveliest golden red hair you ever saw. Nancy could have hugged both of them. Very humanizing again. It does hasten to add, but she remained motionless. (laughs) Just in case we think she did that. Oh, a broken character. She thinks about how she isn't getting paid enough because Mr. Basswood is a selfish old meanie. (laughs) Capitalism of the book. Luckily, she's got an art expert in town to prove her theory that the statue is a reproduction. And this art expert loves one thing almost as much as Nancy. Going undercover. Going undercover. (laughs) With silly fake names. George, upon hearing how much the original statue is worth from Holden, says, Hypers! Harry Silver shows up at the shop. That is his fake name. Yeah, Basswood is not pleasant to him. He keeps mentioning how expensive everything is. That's what's like, it's market value. And he tells Nancy, no, these are fakes. And he also lets her know about MDK. Who has signed the bottom of these fakes. The Whispering Whispering Statue also has a signature on it. If an artist who does reproductions is signing them all, it's not much of a fraud. I'm not sure how the law works, but Basswood is continuing to complain to Nancy. What what do you say? Ugh, Atkin gets these attacks once in a while. Doesn't want watch his health. He's, yeah. he's on that diet. He'll probably get off that diet, Atkin. <laughs> Passwood thinks it's mighty inconsiderate of him to pick a time like this to get sick. He's so managerial. Nancy now, as determined as she was to get into that stone door, is like determined to get into the office. It seems coincidental. You never see inside her head whether she cares or not cares, but it just keeps coming up. Is she just trying to bother Mr. Basswood? It's as if she hasn't gotten the message from him that he doesn't want her in there. Yeah. You stay out of my office. 
then there's a gas main break. So after they find out it's a gas main break, I love that Nancy says, you're insured, of course. <laughs> yes. Because if you're not, I know a guy. For Nancy Drew, this is a benefit. She gets the day off. The gas main break moves a chair that was hiding a hidden door. And it also shatters some of the reproductions, showing the armature inside, the wire that allowed them to make these statues, which wouldn't be in there if they were originals. And they are signed MDK. MDK. The way that the marble reproductions are made is using pressed marble dust. So she's cleaning up afterwards because that's all Mr. Basswood wants her to do. She's like, I'm done cleaning. Maybe I should go check your office to see if it needs to be cleaned. Do you want me to be in your office or... <laughs> and he says, I said go and I mean go. Marvin K. Mooney, won't you please go now? But then their phone isn't working. So she use the phone in your office should I go or... Should working? He says, you stay out of my office. I need her scissors. Is there one in your office, do you think? Or... <laughs> I found a hidden room. There are lots of things in it. <laughs> As there are in so many rooms. <laughs> Especially hidden ones. And Bess says she doesn't think they should take this risk. And Nancy says, well, we'll have to take the chance. While they're in this room, basically just full of more art stuff. Yeah. Nothing interesting. Just more of what's outside. Someone unknown opens the door. A very muscular guy with muscles like steel. <laughs> this leads to one of the most Scooby-Doo things we've ever seen. <laughs> yes. Nancy, Bess, and George duck behind three empty frames. <laughs> and Nancy whispers, pose. <laughs> And they pretend to be paintings. It's a very good picture in the book. Only fails because this lumbering stack of muscles... Knocks Bess's frame over. Hey! And they surprise him. So they overcome him even though he has muscles of steel. They jump on him. George uses a judo trick. He became obstreperous. He does become obstreperous. We looked it up and it means... Do you remember? Does it mean difficult? It's difficult, noisy, hard to control. Which I could have guessed anyways. Yeah. George is successful with her judo, gets him to some kind of hold, and Nancy says, ah, she's probably got him, yeah. and leaves to get help. Yeah. He's a train engine. Yeah. You might even say a trunk. Stop. No. Shh. <laughs> so Bess afterwards says, I could go for a great big steak and french fries and a chocolate fudge sundae. I mean, this is clearly stress eating but she's earned it george says eat all the steak you want but no french fries or sundaes how about substituting a big bowl of spinach and a grapefruit all right george listen that's how mr atkin had a heart attack he has merely made a face at george at least they're trying to be informative now. Yeah. Nancy and George are going to go out boating, but Bess doesn't want to get dumped into the water again. Bess doesn't like sailing. Nancy and George exchange smiles because they know that really she just wants to stay chatting with Dick on land. Yeah. He's a most attractive companion. <laughs> a masked boater. There's an attempt on their life. Nancy's expert sailing saves the day. As a treat afterward, Dick offers them his car for the afternoon. <laughs> Harry mm -hmm. Silver calls Nancy and tells her, guy's name is Marco Dekir. Go visit him at his art studio. Here's the address. Marco is not only uh, signing all his forgeries, but he's well known enough that in the art world you could say this is where he lives. Yeah. Mr. Holden and Nancy chuckle some more over his ever pseudonym, Harry Silver. They like fake names in this book. Nancy is driving George around and she says are you giving us a sightseeing trip of this town no george we're playing hare and hound losing <laughs> anyone who's trying to track us 
When they do get to Marco de Kier, he is described as having swarthy complexion. Swarthy means dark color. Mm-hmm. He has long dark hair, a full beard, and black eyes. It seems clear that he'd look good in a white suit. Nancy says he may be talented, but I'll bet he's cruel and scheming. Yeah, why not? I mean, he does bad, so he's bad. She doesn't know that he does bad. She doesn't really know that he's in on it. He's selling fakes. That's what he does. He sells reproductions. Right then, Mr. Basswood drives off. Uh oh. So Bess does the old drive around the corner trick. Never a good idea for Bess to drive away alone. Yeah. Nancy and George hide behind statues. Joke of the book. Bassfoot says, I want real pieces, of course. Marco de Kier laughs uproariously. My originals are so original, nobody knows the difference. Crime! <laughs> <laughs> George says, the cheat. Let's go in there and confront the two of them with the truth. What would that be, George? They know the truth, George. Excuse me, gentlemen, but you're criminals. <laughs> criminals. Hypers. <laughs> Comes out that he does not suspect Debbie Lindbrook of being Nancy. Buzzwood says, I don't entirely trust her, not that she would steal anything, but she's kind of nosy. I'd fire her, only she's an excellent saleswoman. Nancy chuckles inwardly because he doesn't see through her disguise. And Nancy cannot fathom that Debbie Lindbrook could ever get in any kind of trouble. Nancy <laughs> is quickly building a reputation for Debbie as a sneak and a snoop and a thorn in the side of the back guys and the whole time she's like good thing they don't know i'm actually well protected by my father but instead think that i'm a problem with no protection they catch up with bess who says i was imagining all sorts of things about you becoming prisoners of those two men okay bess (laughs) she says food super i vote for that yeah they go to the nearby restaurant the waitress is like we have no printed menus this qr stuff is everywhere now this is the meal of the book Mm. It's homemade vegetable soup, soup. baked ham, ham. sweet potatoes, and some of my home canned peaches with chocolate cake for dessert. They could have had pot roast. It was available. They could have had pot roast, but they chose ham. Okay. Bess remarks that it must be heavenly living on a farm. And make sure to give me some of the milk from your cows. It's like she both remembers Redgate Farm and doesn't remember Redgate Farm. After a certain amount of mysteries, calls, kidnappings. (laughs) (laughs) and etc Bess and George probably don't remember all the mysteries that far back the waitress lets us know that Marco does not keep farmers hours no he's not a farmer he's one of those artists with a barn George takes this to mean that he's a person of mystery who makes ugly statues that is not an insult to Marco that's an insult to the people whose work he's replicating rude George after dinner Nancy wants to go back they're like uh we saw them drive away Nancy we can't go back there and Nancy says oh I wasn't planning on trespassing I just thought we could look look around around. if it's unlocked we'll see what's inside none of them cared about trespassing into that garden shed Bess finds a very important clue piece of torn paper on the bottom of one of the statues time to move competitors are bapicious stop work Bull Productions, phone from Pitt, soon as I look, whispering statue. Which are like barely jarbled. Bess and George are like, that means nothing. Nancy says, what a marvelous clue. And Bess says, your clue is wonderful, but how can you use it? That is so weirdly supportive. Like, yeah, great clue. Um... What are the qualities of it that make it good, out of curiosity? Which led us to 
realize that that is exactly what a clue is good for. Like <laughs> the, the goodness of a clue is directly linked to the applicability of the clue. Your ability to, to translate it into anything is important. This is another point where Bass and George are just trying to get their friend to leave, and she just won't. She says, we gotta find the other half of this paper. You kind of see why they start to wander off and leave her places, because it's just so boring for them. It's, obs- it's obsessive. So finally Nancy agreed to leave. Nancy now reveals that she recognized her boss's handwriting on that note. Yeah, it's the same M's, D's, and K's. <laughs> Buzz says, Nancy, you're a genius. Here's a town with the name Pittman. George, any more pits? Don't find one that says Pitfall. <laughs> Nancy and Bess smiled. And Bess said, that's pretty corny. But the note says, phone from Pit. From is a fairly specific preposition and Pit's capitalized. There's not a lot of options. Maybe Dick will lend us his car again. He's a great guy. Yeah, I should think he will, Bess. <laughs> Bess giggled. And this is another thing where she's either like super supportive or silly or just passive aggressive as heck because she says the mystery is practically solved all you have to find out is when and where and who did what and why good job buddy all you have to do is all of it and nancy on the phone to ned says i hate to brag but we really have some fabulous clues everyone treating nancy with the the same way i would treat a child who like shows me a picture i don't know what it is (laughs) oh man that's great it's a great monkey Monkey? mushroom (laughs) mountain Carson, you'll probably get home before I do and solve this whole mystery by yourself. Well, you're not going to help, Dad. We know Nancy was kidnapped at the beginning, so she doesn't have to be saved from kidnapping at the end. So there's no Carson. Carson does this whole shift here where he just seems to be trying to take so much more credit. Nancy to Dick, you're always coming to our rescue. We ought to take out time to do something for you. Mm. Dick, you can do something for me right now. He's reserved some ping pong tables for them. Yay! Get you a guy. The book, for whatever reason, doesn't have him say, I reserve ping pong tables. Instead, it says, Dick explained that he had ping pong tables. Did the explanation take so long I couldn't read it? George says, that's a groovy way of paying a debt. Yeah, she heard that word groovy and she kept it, huh? Mm-hmm. You do get to see this very fun, very flirtatious mm-hmm. foursome playing ping pong. Dick is calling them all champs. Afterwards, Bess says, I'm absolutely pooped, which is adorable. Dick offers a sundae with fudge sauce to revive her. He likes thick girls. Unfortunately, Nancy gets a phone call from that old mean boss of hers he's he needs her to come in at 9 a.m yeah nancy frowned a little when she heard that (laughs) what an old grouch he is nancy's like i'm gonna go out and see the statue by myself girls this will go great and it's talking again but it again is not the statue talking but two men behind it this is a common misconception it's not the statue it's someone near it and that's Mm. just going to be your answer every time you hear this thing talk these two guys are just like I I don't understand. Her friends are here, but where's Nancy Drew? Where in the world Mm -hmm. is Nancy Drew? Do your research. You know Ned, right? Ned's not undercover. Do you think Ned's stepping out on Nancy? I don't understand. Her friends are here. Mm. Her, Her boyfriend is here. Her father's been calling a girl who isn't her here. <laughs> so weird. 
But Bess says, we're never going to leave you alone again. And the next day is bring your friends to work day. <laughs> bring your teenage friends to your work job at an antique store day. I love that specifically they're like, Basswood didn't look happy about it, but he didn't say anything. Uh, he may be a villain, but no one really wants their teenage employee to bring their teenage friends to work. But if you're a teenager and listening, do it anyway. Basswood finally can stand it no longer and yanks Nancy inside to, of his office and shoves her into a chair. It is a real HR moment. <laughs> He's mad because when he met up with Marco, Marco, Marco described Debbie Lindbrook. So, you know, once again, doesn't need to be Nancy Drew for her to get into trouble. Hereafter, I want you to mind your own business. Debbie just stays very calm and says, oh, we were just visiting there. It's all unrelated. Yeah, I like statues. Yeah. Uh, Bess comes and says, hey, actually, you're needed, Mr. Basswood, and winks at Nancy. Really, she confides that she's not having a lot of fun just hanging out in this store all day. It was before cell phone games. When Nancy suggests that she might be able to leave early, Basswood gets red with anger. You can't leave early. I need you here. No, no, no. <laughs> General Manager Basswood is at it again. Mm -hmm. He gives her a little lecture. In business, you you have to put your personal affairs aside if you expect to be successful. Okay, Boomer. Nancy did not comment. Yeah, like, if you really want to be successful in this minimum wage antique store job, mm. you're going to have to sacrifice your life. Because there's a, there's a lot of upward mobility here. You could be acting one day. <laughs> so, instead of saying anything to Basswood, she asks her friends to bring her a sandwich to the shop, which Basswood also doesn't like. Yeah, faced with the horror of uh, an employee eating an egg salad sandwich in front of his customers, he lets her go. He gives her a half-hearted apology. I suppose you must eat, but I don't want any food brought in here. And he gives her a lunch break out of the goodness of his heart good good manager and then he asks her to please stay stay late and george smiles because mr basswood was actually playing right into nancy's hands she'll finally get into that office i guess nancy's like i have a clever idea Bess and George, why don't you go follow Mr. Basswood for me while I work here? Bess and George, not too happy about this plan. First of all, Bess just said she'd never leave them again. Secondly, they're going to get kidnapped if they don't have a little bit of... Mail assistance! Mail assistance! Dick and his buddy show up and take Bess and George to follow Mr. Basswood. Nice. Ned shows up at the shop, says, hey Nancy, surprise, I'm here to sweep you off your feet. Nancy says, no, I gotta work. Yeah, do you want to work with me? Ned says, anything you say she notices that everything's gone from the hidden room and mm -hmm. the basement and she said ned this looks very suspicious yeah i'm starting to think my boss is skipping town better sell some more stuff yeah so they come back into the room and there's a burly man the same burly man that she recognizes muscles mcgee nancy says stop that you stop it hey hey buddy stop it he attacks her and she says help ned help he wrestles that man to the ground he does not wrestle him he tackles him <laughs> that's fair and keeps him in a tight grip now this criminal also knows his rights he says i got a right to be here i was told to take all this stuff away but nancy gets him talking trunk rasson is strong i can lift anything <laughs> trunk rasson referred to himself in third person but 
pretty soon the man's bragging came to a sudden end. Apparently he realized he had talked too much. His bravado gone, the prisoner did not attempt to escape and would say nothing. Someone knocks on the front door to come buy antiques, Mm -hmm. which by the way, this is the busiest antique store I've ever heard of. Art and bookstore. Fair enough. Cracks open the door and is like, go get the police. Uh Uh-huh. Which I guess he's into it, but that would ruin my day. I wanted to go antique shopping. The store only benefits from this incident. They are mobbed with people wanting all sorts of books and art. Ned has this moment of intimacy with Nancy. I don't like the looks of this whole thing. When I think that you might have been the prisoner of that. And Nancy pats her friend on the arm and says. He can't even finish his thought. You may even have saved my life. She looks at him gratefully. Anyway, let's sell some stuff. (laughs) It's it's a much softer moment than you usually see between Nancy and Ned. They are still selling things now that at this point they realize are fake. I guess it's okay at this point because she's a celebrity. The upcharge now is just for her having been near it. You know, if this whole crime ring makes national news, the art of Marco de Kier may go for a high price, even though it's fake. Everybody's asking Nancy, and Nancy's like, we caught a thief. Most of the women said, weren't you terrified? The men would become angry and wish they had had a chance to overpower the burglar. Just imagine all these 1930s men just puffing up their chest. Oh, I could have, if I'd been here. (laughs) Throwing their hats on the ground and walking around. Ned was forced to act as a salesman. He told Nancy he was enjoying himself immensely. Note, the book does not say... He was enjoying himself. The book said he said he was enjoying himself. He told Nancy he was. And it also said that he was forced. Ned is shoving cash into his own pockets since they don't have a cash register. And at some point, ADHD Nancy, out of force of habit, gravitates to Mr. Basswood's office for change. Out of force of habit tries to get into that stone door. (laughs) Yeah, maybe the door is unlocked and I can find change inside, she says, since she's already there. And she finds it empty. Nothing inside. Which is also suspicious. She can't tell Ned yet because they're too busy in the store. Just one light bulb swinging back and forth (laughs) from the ceiling. Nancy has to file a complaint based on being attacked Mm -hmm. by Trunk because they can't prove anything else. Dick does not hate Ned. There's none of that tension you see with Art. Mm -hmm. There's that familiarity like you two, right? You two. Yeah. And Ned asks Dick how he likes being a detective. And Dick says, it's great. This is when it's revealed Dick has solved at least one mystery. He says this is the first mystery he solved the whole time. And he solved it because best blabbed. It's the mystery of Debbie Lindbrook. Is Nancy Drew. You don't know his techniques. He might have had to work pretty hard. I think humble brags are kind of a staple in this series, mm. but this is my favorite humble brag so far. Right. Ned says of the criminal who he tackled and brought to jail, I hope those iron muscles of his won't be able to break the bars of his jail cell. You know that guy I wrestled to the ground? I bet he can bend steel, right? <laughs> He's, he was really strong. I took care of it. When we read The Clue of the Broken Locket, we talked about how best did this oddly detective type role where she was the asking one all the questions. Asking the questions. Yeah. But in a, like kind of a parallel to that, Nancy's the one who goes to the Soto jerk and asks Gus Becker, mm-hmm. do, do you know of anyone rich who might have a statue around here? And that breaks things wide open because Gus says, Mrs. King is loaded with money. I, yeah, Soda jerk is really the bartender of this world. She goes back to the table and she is high. 
<laughs> on mystery? On mystery. She's got excitement in her eyes. She calls up Mrs. King, who says, this is the most unusual reason anybody has ever given to see my statuary. Well, the reason she gives is, excuse me, ma'am, I hear I look like your statue. Yeah, right. Okay, my statue is like gorgeous. gorgeous. So like And very weather beaten. <laughs> in the car, she takes off her wig and Ned says, now you look like your old self and more my style. I have a feeling that uh, Debbie was getting a little intense for him. Here's the pun of the book. Oh, yeah, here it is. We had puns throughout, but Ned gets in the the pun of the book. They see the house. It's a big old mansion. Nancy's like, heck, this lady is loaded. And Ned says it's fit for a king. Hey! And neither of us got it the first time. I had no idea why it was a joke. But Nancy laughed at the pun. Because it's the household of Mrs. King. Mrs. King, yes. And Mrs. King is astounded. She says, you look exactly like my beautiful statue. She's dismayed because she doesn't want stolen property in her house. Mrs. King says, I gave him a check, which he accepted without question. And Ned says, yeah, that's what poor people do. Poor people love checks, Mrs. King. Yeah, you know, they they like that. Why, why, is, why would he question you? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like you should have questioned him. <laughs> Ned says, well, I should think he would. I'll bet he cashed it in a big hurry. Yeah, you, you know how this works, right? <laughs> Nancy again recognizes Basswood's writing on the signature on the check. She's lying at this point. Thomas at this point, Mott. she's just like, oh, cursive. Yeah, that's him. To be fair, Thomas Mott does have two M's, Carl. <laughs> right. M, M. Yeah, that's him. Nancy tells Mrs. King that Mrs. King might have to testify. Again, another nod at actually caring now about the order part of law and order, yeah. as you put it. Yeah. Carson says he knows the superintendent of the hospital and will try to keep Atkins in the hospital. F- fruitlessly. Mrs. King is so happy to have met them and says, I don't usually say that to people who bring me bad news. Yeah, she's a real shoot-the-messenger lady. But at this point, Bess points out they can't just sit and watch the hotel that Basswood's holed up in all night. They get a detective agency to do it. A private detective agency. What a weird moment. If the bad guy can hire faceless goons, she can hire faceless detectives. It's a fair playing field. Well, she's always just called up a police officer. But remember that one time that the police didn't believe her in that one small town, that one mystery? She's not gotten over that (laughs) embarrassment. Ever since, she's been like, I don't know if we have enough proof, guys. Now she'll only take people to help who will be paid. (laughs) But... She introduced herself as the daughter of Carson Drew when she hired them. And they're immediately like, oh, Carson, yeah, we got it. (laughs) We don't want to get in trouble with Big Daddy Drew. Dick is thanked for all his unpaid work, and he says, I wouldn't have missed it for anything. Atkins sneaks out of the hospital. Sure. Thanks. Thanks, uh, Carson. There's a really weird part where Nancy is not done common people style pretending to be poor. Pretending to have a job. Uh She can't let it go. Nope. So she goes to the police and says, can I have the key to the art shop? Which, you know, they give her, even though it's not her art shop. Yeah, she works there. (laughs) There's no paperwork saying she works there, Carl. I keep telling you. (laughs) And there's a customer knocking on the door. Bess begs her not to open the door. She, She opens the door. They work all morning in this shop until George says, Basswood certainly isn't going to pay you. Why don't you just quit the job? And Nancy was inclined to agree and finally said she would lock the place. Now poor Bess, her feet hurt and she just wants a sandwich like you do at the end of your shift. But Nancy insists they don't want to carry around this money. They have to bring it to the police. Tedious. Yeah. So now they go back to Marco's studio. Just to see if there's anything there. Yeah, there's a new owner. 
Herbert Michaels seems like a legit guy, right? No. They all decide to just, like, browse the statues. It's unclear what they're hoping. They're just waiting for the mystery to come to them now. Which it does. Yeah, because Nancy is gagged and shoved inside two halves of a statue. Two halves of the mold of a statue. In it and locked inside of there. Yeah. Nancy became drowsy from the lack of enough air. She fills her statue tomb being picked up and put into a truck. Yeah. And uh, Nancy's uh, Nancy's lungs are taking a real beating in this book. <laughs> Nancy had panicked when she was encased in the statue, but she finally manages to overcome her fright. I can breathe, she thinks. And that's when she puts together that there must be holes in the statue that make it a whispering statue. Dun, dun, dun. Then she has the horrible thought, maybe he doesn't intend to let me out of here ever. Ned, why didn't you come? She left without him. She don't never blame, waits for him. Don't blame this on Ned. Bess, <laughs> <sighs> of all people, does the detective work here and deduces what has happened to Nancy. Oh, right. I see the wig here. There were two parts of a statue here. Oh, I bet Nancy was was entombed in this statue and it was put on a truck and that's why we don't see the truck and oh my gosh, we better go find her. And George is just like, ugh. George admitted that Bess was probably right. You can just feel the withering stare. <laughs> and right then, Dick and Ned drive up. Hey guys, do you need some male assistance? Bess, oh boys, Nancy has been kidnapped. But Bess is the best friend you could have. She remembers to pick up Nancy's purse to bring to her. Mm -hmm. And wig. Yes. So Bess goes with Dick and Ned and George drive together, finding themselves alone for the first time ever. Uncomfortable. Another awkward little thing. There was little conversation between George and Ned, and it makes it clear that they're both just thinking about Nancy the whole time. So, you, uh, still Bess's cousin, or...? <laughs> Quote, Ned waved his arm out the window, signaling for the trooper to stop the truck. First of all, good signaling, Ned. I don't know how I would do that. <laughs> Secondly, these cops just work for these guys. You need to study your driver's manual more. Carl. Yeah. Uh, arm out is left turn. Arm cocked is right turn. Wave is my friend is kidnapped. Pull that truck over. Yep, yep. This criminal rightfully says, you got no right to stop me. Take your hands off. Ned and the police officer holding the criminal. And as he says that, Dick comes out and he goes, first, we're going to search your truck. And they do. Now, I don't want to come down too hard on someone who's soft-spoken, but maybe if you're a police officer, don't let teenagers walk all over you. And they force this guy to, to break open the statue. Yeah, first Ned takes a, a knife to it, and then he makes the criminal break it open. You pointed out that if this was, like, a well-written show or book, yeah. this would be a moment where, like, they break it open and she's not, yeah, she's not in there. Not even a well-written one. This would be cliche by this point. Right. It, there would just be no one in there. There was a switch. And, and Nancy, you know, Ned would be ashamed, and the police would no longer work with him. And But instead, yeah. like, Nancy's kidnapped? Snap. She's not kidnapped. Nancy, once freed, looked bitterly, even though she was too weak to say anything. Trunk Rassin! Yup, she in a hoarse voice whispers Trunk Rassin. Rosebud! Michael says, I didn't mean any harm. This wasn't my idea. They'll kill me if I tell you. And that's when Nancy breaks it all open by just, in a hoarse whisper, saying, Trunk Rassin! And Michael's bravado suddenly vanished. But, I didn't know you knew the secret name. But we're only two of the gang. I'm not going to tell you who the rest are. Right now, the safest place for me would probably be jail. 
I tell you, you have different readings than me. I've got, okay, but we're only two of the gang. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you who the rest are. <laughs> so they have to figure out the car situation at this point because I, they don't have enough cars. Tedious. And, yeah, it's very boring. Uh, Carson is talking to Nancy on the phone and he says, I'll take over now. Yeah, he's now he's the guy. So they gather all the criminals they've caught up. And take them to Mrs. King's house yes. for a series of big reveals. A dramatic reveal. Carson Drew is a lawyer, not a detective. <laughs> and he wants his show. Uh, this is the point when uh, when Basswood gets the big reveal. You're Nancy Drew, not Debbie Limbrook. Hey! <laughs> hey. That's not fair. Carson also did not mention Nancy by, by name, but gave her a broad smile. Right. That's, no credit. That's the payment she gets. Yeah. Bess is very furious at these criminals. How crooked can a person be? Pretty crooked, Bess. Uh, yeah, but not according to Basswood. It's not true. I'm innocent. I'll fight this. Atkin, it's no use, Basswood. We may as well give up. It, it'll go easier for us. Carson, you can do your arguing in court. What a what a crappy off-brand way to say tell it to the judge. Nancy Drew figured out the statue. Gasp. Speech. Speech. Come on, Nancy. And then later, there was a chorus of yeses from the audience. Like, every, they, I don't know what kind of party this is, but they are into it. The statue itself is what gets Basswood to confess. Yeah, he knows it whispers, but it's Bess who listens closely and says... It's whispering, woe to anyone who doesn't speak the truth. Basswood says, I can't stand it. That thing's supernatural. I'll tell you the truth. I don't want any woe. And his confession was mostly a re reiteration. Luckily, they don't reiterate it to us. Yeah, we just yeah. get to know that it's reiteration. Mm -hmm. But he did promise to return every penny of the money he had acquired dishonestly. Real empty promise. I don't know how he's going to do that. Mm -hmm. Hopefully Nancy kept receipts while she was selling all his stuff. The big reveal is pretty concise. Just a paragraph from Basswood. Basswood and a paragraph from Dakir blaming each other. Basswood blames Dakir for signing the statue, mm. which is really just a thing Dakir did. To avoid fraud. To avoid fraud. For placing the threatening phone call. It was a weird thing to, to do. Nancy and hiring those intruders. Weird thing to do. And for going back to punch the holes in the statue. Weird thing to do. And for returning the statue. It's revealed by Basswood that it was his men who tried to take the statue in broad daylight. Coordinate, guys. Please coordinate. Dakir uh, blames Basswood for sending a blank telegram. Weird thing to do. For having a masked yachter try to mow her down. Very weird thing to do. And most of all, for hiring Nancy. Dumb thing to do. <laughs> and it says that confessions had been recorded on tape. Which, by the way, those are very much accusations rather than confessions, but that's fine. Holden, did you hear that? I think the statue is saying thank you, Nancy Drew, for giving me back my voice. Bess is like, what are you doing? I said it says woe to those who don't speak the truth. <laughs> well, Nancy's only truth is that she doesn't care about any of this. She's already far away at the haunted bridge yes. where she'll have her next mystery. And I think we'll see you there. So as always, I'm Carl. And I'm Hope. And all we can say is go, go Wildcats! Wildcats. We might.
might need to have a special episode about this video game sometime. I have a, we have a, there's a host of video games we can, um, oh, I don't know, put them on our Patreon. Remember to support us at our Patreon. <laughs> you can email us at riverheightsradio at google.com or find our Patreon, River Heights Radio. We'd really appreciate it. Instagram at River Heights Radio. Twitter at River Heights FM, River Heights Radio on Facebook, and River Heights Radio on YouTube. Uh, and give us a review or five stars on uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Stitcher or wherever you're listening. Yeah, if you listen this far, I mean, why not? We actually put a, a lot of hours into.